I've never heard gum chewed with delay. So let me just listen. This is one. This is one chew. I'm Nikki Bond, and my absentee rock and roll dad has just recently come back into my life. So now I have to try and teach him how to be a father, because he has no clue. Here we are. We're back chatting with Eric Johnson, dad of the month, my mentor, Bobby's I don't even know. I don't even know what this is to buy. It's honestly, Bobby just went off and asked every single question about film that he could. You'll see. There's more. There's more. Who Who's really in charge? <laughs> oh, man. I'm very polite in this episode, guys. I realize I'm just trying to balance the two dads. It's funny because Eric was like the person that I would go to when I was bummed about my career. I was like, I'm feeling this insecurity. And like, I would say, you know, I, I just, I would turn to him and be like, I don't feel good about myself. And he would give me advice and was that dad. Okay. He wasn't my a dad. That's weird. He's just my friend, but it's funny. Cause now that my dad's back in my life, I actually will be like, dad, I'm depressed. I'm like, wow, the two, the two mentors. Okay. My dad's not a mentor either. The two guys meet and like, Hey, Eric subbed in and did did some nice things, Dad. So now now you should thank him, but he doesn't. This analogy is kind of weird. I kind of take it back, but I'm not going to uh, take this recording out because I I put bad because I blast Babby. Why do I keep <laughs> because I blast <laughs> guys? It's morning, and I was going to take that out as well. But what I'm trying to say is that I blast. Bobby on the podcast. So I'm going to let my mistakes and my faults in recording this opening be out there just to be fair, because I got an email or a message from a fan with a very insightful point of view about our podcast. And, you know, sometimes people say I'm a little hard on Bobby. So to return the love, I'm going to be hard on myself too, like I am every day. So that these are the mistakes I make when recording and I normally cut it out and I sound perfect, but I guess today I'm not going to be perfect. What am I even talking about anymore? Let's just get moving on with our continuation of chatting with Eric Johnson and we get into what I wanted to talk about, how he balances filming all over the world and fatherhood. We're picking up where we left off. My dad's still asking those background questions. Right. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I know you have Dude. a brother. Yeah, I have an older brother. Um, yeah. Families, families stayed together. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a rare one. Yeah, my, uh, my parents have been married since '72. Uh, Damn. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, next year is the, uh, is a, is the big one is uh five fifty. Wow. But you and your wife have been together a long time too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I was, uh, I, you know, I got married at 25 and so we've been married for, uh, what is that? 16 years. It'll be 17 years this year. Wow. That's great. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, we've been together a while. We I met her when I was 22. So we've been we've been together for 
you know, soon it'll be half my life. Definitely. It's half my waking life of me remembering shit. So yeah. Yeah. I was, I'm always trying to figure out things like that. Uh, whether it's approval from somebody else and equating that with any traumatic experiences in childhood Mm -hmm. or Mm. that's, that's where my brain goes immediately. So you were asking about his family and if he was looking for approval ever in his family. Yeah. But I think it's a combination of a lot of different things, but I think possibly that's one of the components, but also it's just stuff I think about. So when you got that gig, did you think, uh, was that your biggest exposure television wise or I mean, it was, that's a lot of definitely. I think that was definitely the, the, the highest pedigree I'd say, you know, in terms of like the, the people that were involved um, just in terms of their background and, and awards they've won and the, the sort of history that they had had. But, you know, I mean, I had been working in television for a, for a long time at that point and had done other television series and um, you know, things that have been successful, you know, 5 million people a week watching and that kind of stuff. So it's like, you know, been part of things, but that was definitely the, the highest sort of like critical acclaim uh, project I'd been a part of. And, you know, going into with like a, an amazing cast and the whole team was all A-list people. And, uh, you know, it was definitely a high degree of aptitude to be surrounded by. And it was been very intimidating at first. It was like, you know, having to got to realize like, okay, they hired me to be here and I, you know, I'm, I'm part of this team and I just have to deliver on this. So, Wow. Uh, will you tell, cause I think my dad will really like this story and I do want to eventually get into how you balanced fatherhood and cause you're a really good dad and, you, <laughs> but you were away a lot. So, um, I, but I think dad, you'll really like this story that when you had to do that one take where Clive was, uh, chasing you down the stairs and they followed you with the camera. Oh yeah. It, well, it was. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a little, it's a little different than that, but we were. Yeah. Sorry. He, he just likes behind the scenes and how things are shot. So I, I just remember you telling me that and it blew my mind for some reason. Which story is this? Well, I don't know if it blew my mind, but it was really cool. It was, it was, they did one shot. Remember? There was this one scene and I had like no lines in this scene. Like I had like a couple of lines at the beginning and then like maybe one at the end, but really this is, this is, this is, a scene about Clive Owen saying shit. And then, and Soderbergh kept putting the camera on me and not shooting Clive Owen, who's got all the lines. And I'm just sitting there, it's like post-op and I'm just scrubbing my hands and I'm like, why is the camera here? Like, just like totally in my head, like, why, why are we, why are we doing it this way? And I'm like, oh my God, like, this is like, is Clive going to get mad? Like he's doing this performance. It's not even on camera. And, uh, but it was just, it was just how Steven Soderbergh you know, would shoot the story, not necessarily the people talking. And it was very different because everything that was going on that people were talking about was very impactful for where my character was and what the feelings I was meeting as a doctor. But, uh, you know, I wasn't saying anything, but that's where he put the camera. And at first it's very intimidating, you know, (laughs) to be having no lines and everybody else is acting their asses off. And like, you're just doing a thing and the camera's two feet away from you just literally just looking at you the whole time while everybody he, else is doing shit. He didn't tell you? No. You're so just, he you're wanted, just, 
he wanted a candid shot of you doing your I mean, thing. well, it, it was all, it was all, that was just, that was just the, we, it, it, it's a pretty improvisational, not from us, not from a dialogue standpoint, but in terms of like movement and, and the camera discovering where the camera needs to be is a little more about his, his style in terms of, and then he just shoots very specific elements and then puts that in, in the edit. Uh, so that was, it was just very intimidating to, to, you know, to be doing a scene where you have all these actors giving amazing performances and he shoved a camera in my face and I'm like, Oh my God, am I, am I fucking this up somehow? And uh, yeah, it was definitely, that was, that was, that was still in the early days of going like figuring, you know, getting my feet under me. And it was uh, definitely an intimidating moment. Uh, did you know that there might be a third season of that? I heard about this. It's very exciting. Like I've heard very, very little, little bits about it, but uh, the plans that they have for it, I think are, uh, I always know that there was, there was more to the story and things that they had planned. And so I, I think the, the writers are tremendous. All the people that they, that they had involved in that show were, were so talented that anything that they come up with and, and do with this is going to be amazing. Just the twist that he was hooked, you know, shooting. The that was just a beautiful thing, you know, that's crazy. Um, hey, Beautiful I thing have, coming from a rock star. I mean, star. Con conceptually, everybody, the, the fact that he had a, you know, a character defect, he was an addict. You know what I mean? I, I haven't seen the, the second uh, season. I actually haven't seen the, the end of the first because um, at the time there were certain places I would go to. There was no HBO. That was when you um, were on the road. Yeah. It came out yeah. when you were on the road. Yeah. Um, the, the part of the, uh, the whole thing of, of TV and movie is all the, all the behind the scenes stuff, like setting up scenes and lighting and sliding is so important and all of it. But uh, what happened when that was canceled? What? You know, it was, it's the same as like, I've been, you know, part of a lot of things and uh, you know, maybe falsely confident in some ways, but it just like, I just know there's other shows, you know, no show lasts forever. Right. You know, it's right. like, no, you know, you, you, no matter what, it could be the best show on television. It's got a shelf life. So it's like, no matter yeah. what, at some point you're going to be unemployed and you're going to be looking for the next gig. And, right. you know, I think I've just become strangely comfortable with that. I've been, uh, you know, that self-employed, you know, gig economy my whole life of just going from, you know, contractor job to contractor job. And, you know, I've been, you know, at times I would say I'm like, oh, I'm professionally unemployed because I'd spend more of my year unemployed than I would working. But, um, you know, I just got comfortable in trusting in myself in those times when I wasn't, when there, I didn't know what was next. I just like, you know what? Uh, I've been doing this long enough. I know what I'm doing. There will be something there. And, um, you know, I've been very fortunate that, you know, even when things got really tight or, you know, there was a period of a long drought in between good jobs, that something uh, something came up and would would save me uh, and uh, allow me to keep playing pretend for a living. Well, you had enough reinforcement from the age of eleven where confidence just builds, right? Yeah, I think I think it definitely helped. Like, uh, yeah. you know, it, it's I know I know I know I know how to do my job. That's so, huge. You know, somebody somebody somewhere could use me to do my job and. Uh, you know, I can, I can, no matter what, I can, I can be serviceable in some, some regard somewhere. Uh, you write too. You're, are you writing uh, screenplays and stuff? 
Are you doing that? Uh, I've written a bunch. Like it's, it's definitely something that I love. I love like, uh, you know, N- Nicole, you and I have written two, two projects, one project together. Two, one and a half. Two, one and a half. Yeah. Uh, and you made me write uh, the other one on my own. Nice. I mean, exactly. Fuck it's like, you. you need to do this. Because I never went to summer camp. And so I did one summer camp and it was an acting summer camp for two weeks and very different. There was no uh, mosquito bites because uh, we were inside and we were weird theater kids. You basically uh, went to a cult for the summer. Yes, yeah, I did. Yeah. I went to a theater cult. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, but I love, I, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a, I, I think I'm not all that interesting because I, I love the whole process of film and television. It's, it's my, that's kind of my, my world. Like I love, this creation of stories. I love the shooting of stories. I love editing and post-production of those stories and getting it out there. And, and so that's it. Like, I, you know, it's, yeah. it, I'm kind of boring. And like, that's the thing I love the most. God, editing, man, can make or break a movie. Just the timing everything. of it's everything. Yeah. It's, you know what I mean? It's like I'm, the editing of like, how long do you wait before you cut to another? Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, think about that. Like being the final mix on a song. Right. Like when you fade in certain something, the levels that a, a certain instrument is at, all that sort of stuff of how that's it's it could be everything in terms of like everything could it, be the same. But how you is. mix it is and how it hear, it, it how is. people hear it is, right. is everything. Because you in mixing, you what you're really trying to do is pull out the energy of a track. Right. Mm. There was a uh, I went to uh, Bachelors three back in the day and I uh, was owned by this football player, Joe Namath. And I was working there and this band came in, Wayne Cochran and the CC Riders. And it was like 16 pieces of just funk, R&B, five horns, just wall-to-wall sound. And I just like cried. I was overwhelmed with emotion. And then when I listened to the, when I listened to the album, it was like an L.A. mix. It was so slick and they did everything they didn't get the rawness of the band, you know? So uh, I do have one question that's really baffling. I know I'm asking a lot of questions to Cole. I apologize. I, I bring people on that. I think you'll enjoy. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, who is the person that is the head of all of it where he's got to coordinate every department. I, I know how it works as far as, different departments that have heads and then it goes to the one person that says, this is working. This isn't working. Is there a person like that? Or is it basically a few people that decide? And you know, it's, I think it's, it's tough because I think there's always the wants and then what will work. Right. So there's, there's nothing that doesn't come without compromise. Right. So, you know, somebody who has approvals over, over, over things like, like a director, like this, the things I want, these are the elements that I want in the scene might not be able to get all those things that they want. Uh, and you know, between, um, whether it's not possible because of budget reasons or not possible because of camera limitations or not quite available in VFX and post-production is always compromise. So unlike painting or photography, or I would even say, you know, somewhat to, you know, in some regards, music, you really can't do it on your own. It is a creative collaboration, unlike anything else that I've experienced. Like you could be a soloist uh, with your your instrument and be amazing, but you can't be a soloist filmmaker. 
just right. doesn't exist. Like you right. have to be communicating and collaborating, collaborative and, and, and work with a collective of people. And I think the people who do it the best are the people who have surrounded themselves with people who collaborate very well and at a high level. Right. Uh, that allows that vision of theirs to be executed in the best possible way. Right. But, you know, because I, at the end of the day, like who calls the shots? Well, it might be the person who says, we don't have the money for that. Right. <laughs> you know, like like yeah. we're, we're out of money. Like that, that could be the difference. It's like, but it you know, at every studio or like, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time as they don't have say over everything. So it's all, it's all a give and a take and it's all a compromise across all, all different departments. Cause nobody is necessarily working with ideals. You know, either you don't have enough time, you don't have enough money, um, whatever it is, it's all compromise. It's all, you're all, you're compromising towards a goal and depending on how you compromise together and how you communicate together depends on how focused that goal is. And like, there's, there is issues sometimes where there's too many cooks in the kitchen and you get all the spices in the pot and it tastes like shit. And, right. you know, and there's other times where it can be very singular and it's very focused and the, and the, the intent and the spirit of, and, or the energy of is been communicated clearly towards the audience. Um, so I think when you get a situation like a film director, who's a writer director, or at least has that, has nurtured that story and understands story, you can get really clear, concise, you know, wonderful stories and other things are more collective. And I don't think there's necessarily a better or worse, but it, I think it all comes down to communication and, and knowing what parts to compromise on and what parts to, to, to find other ways to do. Right. Right. Um, there's a documentary I saw last night on May West. Have you seen that? I think it's no. on, Oh my God. Are, do you know who May West is? Yeah. Okay. You, you got to check this out. I, I don't know which, if it was Amazon or Netflix, but this chick was a badass. Mm -hmm. I she would love was, to see that. Well, she started by writing her own play on Broadway, and it was basically a sex, it, it, it was called Sex. You know what I mean? And it was just So Madonna, Madonna stole her playbook? <laughs> basically, yeah. And uh, she wrote her, all her thing was, when they asked her to go to L.A., she said, look, here's the deal. How much are you making? She said this to the director. Now, she comes from Brooklyn. And I, I think that there's a lot of great actors that come from Brooklyn mm -hmm. that are just tough because the life was tough back then, mm -hmm. you know. And she said, uh, she goes, well, how much am I making? I'm referencing this. this is, I'm paraphrasing her. But she said to the director of the company, oh, it's Paramount, I think. How much are you making? And he told her, and he goes, she he gave her the it was like a million bucks or five hundred thousand dollars and she says well i want five hundred and one thousand dollars and here's the deal i'm writing the script I'm writing the dialogue and i'm writing and i've got final say and i want to light my i mean she was just this wow. is it because there was so much there was, she made bank on the on the broadway thing mm -hmm. and what took her down was censorship right she couldn't do her shtick anymore. Mm. You know what I mean? But it was just an amazing documentary. I'm going to watch it wow. again. I, would, I, would I love that ferocity too, of just going after what you want, knowing it and, and like, just like, this is my thing and this is how I'm going to do it and just get in line. Cause yeah. there's something about that clarity of, of just people fall in line. They love it. They love a good leader. Rocky. I, I believe. Oh, I love that story. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. Broke it's, it's an amazing. Worth, 
it was it five hundred grand in seventy one or two? He where- sold his dog. No way. Yes. Sold his dog. And then brought to him back the to the, yeah. and then and brought him got him back when he made it successful and had him in his yeah. movies. It's it's a beautiful story. It really yeah. is. It's, and, uh, and to turn down nation. Yeah, we love the dialogue. We love the script, but we got somebody else that to direct you. Uh, no, I'm directing. And he turned down five hundred grand, which is probably yes. worth five million in today's money. You know what? It certainly is. Certainly yeah. Is. Yeah. yeah, man. That's so, so, uh, what's going on? Have you been home this whole time? Yeah, pretty oh, much. This has been the longest time I've been home. Yeah. Uh, Cause I was going to say, many years. yeah, Eric is always like, he's come and live, stayed with me and Matt for a few months in LA. Um, and you were what I wanted to bring up. Yeah. You've traveled so much. I mean, you lived in New York, you know, and, and your family came to visit you and you balanced it that way. But it was when you shot Vikings, that mm-hmm. must've been hard. Like how, how were you able to still, how are you able to shoot, be out of the country and still interact with your family? Like how, how does you it know, go? I, I look, I think there's so much that's only possible now because of technology, to be honest. And even when I was in New York and I'm an hour and a half flight away and the same time zone, it was a challenge. Um, Going across the ocean being six hours time difference. um, You know, there's challenges there. It's, it's, it comes down to communication and, and being able to, to, to even feel present even when you're not. And that was, that was hard. It was hard not to be uh, lonely and hard not to be, you know, you're, you're, you're missing your, uh, your family and your friends and your whole social group. And, um, but also to be involved. Um, you know, I remember there was a couple of times when I was in New York and I'm trying to parent via, via zoom call. And, uh, CJ was younger at the time. And I'm like giving a lecture, a parenting lecture about what's appropriate and what's not. And, and Stephen just looked at me, walked away from the camera and no. left. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, come back here, come back here. I'm like, oh, I'm powerless to do anything. Like, like they figured out the hack of, of parenting by Zoom. I'm like, I'm just going to walk away. What are you going to do? Stop me? Wow. <laughs> and, yeah. and so it's like, you know, figuring out how to be involved, like be a little involved. And you know, it doesn't always go well and there's 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 challenges i think the hardest thing that i've found even before i had a kid is just being away and then reintegrating every time and the way i explain it to 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 adria and to cj it's like you have to understand that when i'm by myself every idea i have is the best idea in the room because i'm by myself so like what do you want to have for dinner freaking meatballs that's a great idea eric and it's like, there's, I don't have to compromise. I just go and have meatballs. It's, it's, it's fantastic. What do you want to watch on TV? Anything I want. This is a great idea, Eric. And you do it. And then, it's, and like within the span of an hour, you're, you've got to change the mental mindset again and go like, all right, what do you, I'm like, Hey, I want meatballs. And like, no, nah, I don't like meatballs. And like, what do you mean? Meatballs is clearly the best idea on the table. And it's like that, that compromise. And remembering to get plugged in and, and, and I fail at this almost every time I come back after really? being away of just learning to keep That's my right. mouth shut for the first <laughs> week. 
and and just reint reintegrate myself again. Realize that yes, you know, certain things are put away in the kitchen differently than when I left because that's the way it works for them. Right. And that's you know, and that's you know, not to be mad about it, and it's not wrong. It's just the way that's it's that's the way they would do it if I wasn't here. And sometimes I'm such an anal asshole that it's like I got to learn to keep my mouth shut and and be there and be like, hey, I'm also in the photograph, not hey, this is all about me when I come home because you know when you're on your own, it's kind of all about what you want to do, which is both great in some ways and also very lonely. So. Um, that's the challenge. I think technology has saved this, though, in terms of being able to to find a way to be connected. I mean, like even just the three of us now, we're in three different cities, three different time zones, able to share this time together and see each other's Absolutely. faces. Mm-hmm. This is this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like I have to write a postcard and hope that it gets there in two weeks from a city I'm not in anymore. It's you know we can actually see each other's faces. We can we can be engaged because it's. It, I think the thing that I really learned in, in Ireland is that was just how painful it is to, to go that long without how long family, friends, two different, uh, all in all, it was, I did four months straight and then almost five months straight and another, another go. So those are like without a trip back. And like, normally when I would like, I'd come to LA, I would go home, we have like a three week rule where we don't go longer than three weeks without seeing each other. Cause I think there's something, you know, something that I think we learned uh, anecdotally about Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, you know, one of those Hollywood romances that, you know, stood the test of time, like the one Hollywood relationship that worked and they had a, they had a three week rule. Mm-hmm. And uh, we tried to, we've tried uh, really hard to keep that up. And for the most part we have, uh, there was a couple of times though in Ireland where it just didn't make sense you know, it's so expensive to fly back and forth or I couldn't get away or they couldn't get away. And it's, you know, the other thing is realizing how disruptive it is to their lives to pack up everything and come over here to visit me for two weeks where their life is now on pause for two weeks while they're just like hanging out while I'm going to work. It's like, how is that fun? Like you, you do the museum tour, you do the touristy thing, and then you're just sort of stuck there you know, with, with dad as dad goes to work. Yeah. That's kind of how, when I would see my dad and then he would be tired because he, on his day off, Mm -hmm. he would, that'd be his day off and he would just want to sit and watch CNN. And I'm like, no, I want to go out. And that's why I can't even, Matt wants me to visit him on tour and I don't want to because he's the exact, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. But like, still he gets tired and distracted that you just kind of feel like from the other side, like you guys are on the same side, but from our side, it's kind of like, we're just there existing at your whim. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, you know what? I am my own person and I want to do what I want to do. And you have to do it too. Cause I came all this way. Okay. Pay attention to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what? We even noticed it with CJ. It's like, it was because, you know, we've been very fortunate and CJ has been able to travel and has come to lots of different places that we've been like into, you know, France and LA and, um, you know, Ireland, obviously, and Newfoundland a couple of times and, and just being able to travel. Uh, but when I've been away for a long time, especially when CJ was younger, we learned that the first thing we need to do is CJ and I would go out on our own, just the two of us. So we would just get time, the two of us, uh, which is also great. It would give uh, my wife a break yeah. from being, you know, mom the entire time. But it just gave CJ 
that one-on-one attention right away mm-hmm. and right. made the, I think just reinforce their own value, like them feeling valued and important that the sort of temperamental or sort of, you know, just the attitude was very, very different after we did that than if we waited three days, right. uh, you know, like it just like, it was just a reinforcement of like, you're important to me. This is important. Let's spend some time together. Um, and that really changed things and really just really, it, it put the the focus on like, okay, this is what, it, you know, this is what I, I got to do this to just so that my kid knows, mm-hmm. <laughs> you right, know? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Cause the, you know, what are they, they, you know, I'm like, come on, you're in New York. Like you're in New York. This is like the greatest city on earth. I know. Like, why aren't you enjoying this? Like they don't care. They just want, they just want time with you. It doesn't matter. You could be sitting at some park or it, the yeah. ice cream doesn't matter. It's the time. Yeah, it is. You know, uh, being on tour and traveling a lot, it, it's kind of like death by a thousand needles or knives that Chinese yeah. saying, because it's the little inconsequential things uh, that add up to this stress level. Like, where's the grocery store? Where can I get this certain kind of food? Uh, but it's the little things that add up. And uh, you're basically, when you're on tour for a while, you're, you're just, dealing with burnout you know yeah. yeah so it's it's a thing and then so next time you go see matt nicole those are things maybe you should be considering <laughs> well i won't i won't go see him i won't go see him <laughs> anymore yeah yeah right I, I wouldn't i mean if you're not having a good time or you feel neglected and he's yeah yeah it's uh yeah it i think maybe if i didn't uh, have issues with it because of you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but if I didn't have, <laughs> if you didn't start it, dad, I could have, no, I'm just joking. But yeah, it's the same. I just, I mean, I will at times, but it's that finding the stuff to do during the day. At first you're like, this is so great. And then you just become resentful. And then you're like, mm-hmm. well, I know you're working. It's my own fault for coming here anyways. But that's why I, I was going to say. Yeah. Was, I, think, I think because you, you, you want to be close and yeah. you want to have that time. And then you realize yeah. that time's filled. And, There's and another not, thing that's yeah, taking it away. And taking your it's mind like, away. It's not emotional. Have you ever gone to visit a friend at work when they're working? Yeah. It's the most awkward fucking thing in the world. It's true. You know, because they're working and you're like, hey, and they're like, great. Awesome. So glad you're here. I love that you're here. Uh, Just hold on a sec. Yeah. And then, and then they got to do their thing and you're just sort of like, you know, you're you're waiting around. Like, it's like, uh, it's like when people are like, hey, do you want to come visit set? I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. Visit your set. Yeah. Because first of all, I'll just talk to you for five minutes and then I'm just in the way. Yeah. And you know, I'll like, call me when you're done work. We'll go for, we'll go for dinner. We'll go for a drink or something like that. Or come yeah. over and t- like decompress afterwards. You know, we'll figure it out. Cause it's like, it's tough. I will say though, you know, visiting you at work would be awesome, Nicole, cause you'd give me awesome food, but yeah, that's um, different. Cause you can yeah. sit there and I can give you food. It's, it's just, yeah. yeah. If the person's not mentally there and you need that mental connection, you can feel mm-hmm. more neglect. So it's good that you yes. did that with CJ. Cause I was going to say like, was CJ ever resentful or has it always been an understanding that that's your job? Also, I do have to hop off in like two minutes, but yeah, it's, I think there was, there was a moment and it, it kind of gutted me. I think CJ really? was, was about five at the time. 
and uh, I had gone to LA and flew back, you know, after being there for three weeks and um, was hopping back on a plane early morning, you know, first flight out of Toronto back to LA and, um, you know, saying goodbye again after only being home for two days after being gone for three weeks and, and CJ just wouldn't let go of me. And just like, why, you know, like, and, and, and she took it, they were take they took it so personally of like, what, what, why aren't we enough? And, oh my God. and it was like, oh my God. and I was like, that was like, like, like they didn't say that, but that was the vibe. Like, like, what is, what is wrong here that you have to go? Like, uh, you know, why don't, why don't you like us enough? And that was the, the vibe and, and, and they wouldn't let go of me. And it just, it wrecked me. Like I was, you know, I ended up, you know, like bawling all the way to the airport Man. and just was like, and it was just questioning, like, what am I doing with my life? Like I'm going to LA for fucking pilot season for the off chance of getting some, maybe some show that I maybe do or don't want to really do. And it's a fucking grind and it sucks. And I'm in LA miserable by myself in a shitty apartment that I just rented. And, and it's like, what am I fucking doing? Like what's, what's important about life here. And so there are times that it's just been, it has been gutting and you question like, is this worth it? And why am I putting myself and my kid through this and my whole family? And yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, I think no matter what you do, it's like, I mean, the other thing is like when I'm home, I can be home. It's like, you know, like, it's like, like take this year, for instance, I know it's different for everybody because of work from home, but you know, there's been so many moments as, as dad of like, you know, eight months in a row of like drop off and pick up at school and being there and making dinner and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, the in-between gigs is like full-time, but also when, you know, when they were little, it wasn't fair because it's like, Hey, you had me full-time. You, you know, dad's, you know, 24 seven dad to nothing. It was like all or nothing. Right. So it's uh, been very fortunate in the last couple of years. I've had a few jobs at home, which means that at the end of the night, I'm sleeping in my own bed. And it, that's been just so wonderful and so different after, you know, uh, Vikings and being away so much, uh, just to be home for that chunk of time was, uh, was really great. Do you have it? I know Nicole's got to go last question. Do you have anything going on? Uh, I, I, are they gearing up to start productions on stuff now or? Things are getting busy. You know, that's the good thing. It's like <laughs> the thing about people love their entertainment. So entertainment world just keeps chugging along and, Right. And, uh, you know, COVID be damned. So, you know, they made movies during the war too. So, uh, you know, <laughs> people, you know, we, we, we still, still entertainment keeps chugging along. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to things. I'm just, I, you know, the people that I feel for the most actually through all this is the, the incredible theater community and, and just how brutal that is, um, for anybody wow. who's in live events and just, okay. you know, my heart goes out to, to all the performers and, and to all the support workers and, and, you know, stage hands, stage managers, front of house, everybody there that, that deals with that, uh, to, to, I mean, people don't realize the amount of, I mean, all the departments in theater, you know, you have wardrobe, makeup, yeah. all of it. And I don't see how any of it's going to happen without some form of proof that you've had a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm, I'm with you. And it's like, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, I'm sure it's like, uh, you know, a big band, like, you know, you got the four, you know, the fabulous four on stage playing the songs, but it, the army it takes to make sure that they're in every city 
and ready to go. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, the, it's, you, you know, when people, people think, people think that that it's like, Oh, who cares? Just a couple of actors. It's like, yeah. no, it's a whole it's, industry yeah. of, yeah. you know, hardworking professionals that are now, uh, struggling. So yeah, my, uh, you know, my, my, my hopes are that we're at very much at the tail end of this and that we can get back to, uh, going and seeing some live shows and enjoying some live <coughs> concerts and enjoying the creative pursuits that everybody's invested in the last year of creating. Yeah. Well, uh, you got a split, right, Nicole? Yeah, I mean, You're I could. Late. Yeah, I'm late. But, Dad, did you ask all your questions? Because I can leave you to ask one more question if you want. But you can't keep no, Eric on the phone for a long time. Okay, no, I'm I'm good. I mean, I got a million questions. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, it's a uh, it's been a pleasure. It's Thanks a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for yeah. coming, and, uh, Eric. We'll we'll have my you. My pleasure. We'll have you back because my dad has a lot of questions. I love it. I'm here for it. Oh, cool, man. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Right. Take care. Okay, bye. Take care, everybody. <laughs> bye. Bye. Well, I feel like Eric is pretty much the guest that balances both me and Bobby's personality. He answered all of his questions. My dad was like a kid in a candy shop, just tons of questions. And then I am like, you're the dad that I wish my dad was. So we basically just fanboy girled Eric is what just happened. And, you know, even though Eric was really involved and a really good dad and still is and just way more of a man than I've seen a lot of dads be, he still had that conflict of his kids saying, why is this happening? Why do you have to leave? So it's unavoidable. And it's funny because my dad actually in the next episode tells a story about me having a bit of that breakdown with my mom and my dad when they took me to Disneyland. But that is for the next episode, my birthday party. No guests, guys. This is me and Bobby solo. And I'm going to tell you, he seems very back to normal right now. He was quite playful. This is like a classic Bobby and me episode, which I'm really, was really excited about. I don't know if he turned it on for my birthday, but it was great. Now I want to give a shout out and read a little message from one of my Patreon members because his message really helped my dad to understand the podcast. Now I'm not going to think that this will stick, but I sent my dad a message that E. Michael Weinstock sent me about our podcast. And my dad was like, this is so true. And then we recorded the birthday episode and he was great. So I just want to read this because I feel like it pretty much summarizes everything that's going on. And it was just very insightful and profound. This guy, E. Michael Weinstock, you're the best. This really helped my dad when he read this. As I said, for now, we'll see how he is next week. E. Michael Weinstock sent me a message saying, I just want to show my appreciation for sharing a podcast filled with vulnerability and pain on every important subject, all the while making me laugh from time to time. You're welcome. 
that's just me like taking some validation in there, you know. I can't imagine how hard this podcast is to create and really appreciate you're telling me because I'm telling you, I got to cut out so much of the gum chewing and like the us. Okay. And I really appreciate what you've done with it so far. I think Bobby is really good at interviewing others. It gets him out of his head and he forgets the podcast is predominantly about him and opens up more while trying to relate to your guests. Exactly. Like this episode with Eric, my dad was just telling his stories at the beginning. I was like, this is great. I need to have more people like this to get him to talk. This is where it got Bobby. I hope he realizes one day that even though he might not love the process as painful as it might be sometimes, this podcast will create exactly what he's always wanted and hoped for as far as you finally getting to know him. Yeah. Yeah, you nailed it, Michael. You nailed it. I probably won't stay on this tier for long. Oh, okay. You know what? That's that's just like how much he's paying, which is like a very generous amount. Oh, what are you guys paying? Nothing? Kill yourself. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. As I said, <laughs> I'm menstrual today. However, you deserve it. I hope this gives you some affirmation that you are onto something and keep breaking Bobby down because you will both benefit from this. This was so encouraging and I will keep breaking him down because you saw us and what's happening and my dad read this and he just totally was blown away by it. And it, it was like when, when someone else tells my dad what's going on, he listens. When it's me, it goes in one ear, out the other. And the fact that he was like, is this one of your friends? I said, no, this is a fan, dad. And then he got on, he was on time. We didn't even have technical issues and we recorded the birthday party, which is coming out next episode. Can't wait. Well, if there's dads out there listening, Eric Johnson does it. Why can't you? No, I'm just joking. Just joking. It's all a struggle. I understand. But how honestly too, like the insecurity that he felt on set and all of that was so inspiring for me or anybody who's chasing their dream. Or anybody who has insecurity. Okay, that's it for me today, guys. I hope you enjoyed. Sign up to patreon.com slash Nikki Bond. And I'm going to put, because that was such a flawless interview, without any, okay, there was a little bit of technical difficulty and interruption, but just kept flowing. No pause breaks. My dad's mind, like Eric, Eric was like, this is what we're talking about. And I'm not going to let you go off Bobby. And I was like, can you be here all the time? So I'm going to put up an uncut version and video of this interview with Eric and my dad. And just so you can see us face to face. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. I guess I won't see you, but you get what I'm saying. Oh, for my Bobby bit. I know that I complain about the technical difficulties we have and it's probably annoying, but I decided for my Bobby bit, I'm just going to give you a little taste of what I deal with every week. Okay. My dad, I don't know if you remember last episode, he hopped on his computer using his hotspot from his phone which is the same episode as this one. I just split it up, as you know. And so this is what happened when I had to cut a huge chunk out and start again. This is what was going on because my dad, 
used a hotspot on his computer to Zoom and record a podcast. So I just wanted to give you a little taste in the Bobby bit of the struggles we go through. Oh, I was trying to. We spoke too soon. We did. So. Oh man, is it on Wi-Fi or data? Uh, um, it's on. I think he said Wi-Fi. What do you think he said? I didn't hear it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> is it on data? Data. <laughs> is it on data? Data. 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 data.